I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to a very special episode of From Complex to Queens. I'm Steve Seipel, and I'm joined by Lucas Vajos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. And today we're going to be doing nothing but talking 2021 draft. So you guys ready? You guys excited? Uh, I, uh, I got to throw all my notes about the latest getter news in the trash now. Crap. <laughs> All right, so Larry, we're just going to jump right into things here. Um, first thing on our docket is our uh, our mock draft. So we drew some random lots, not really, but whatever. And Thomas is going to be making the first pick. He is representing the Pittsburgh Pirates. So congratulations. It's a, it's a dream come true. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Lucas is going to be selecting next as the Texas Rangers at the second pick. Then me as the Detroit Tigers, and then finally Ken as the Boston Red Sox. Then we're going to loop back to Thomas with the Baltimore Orioles <laughs> again, man. Sorry. Oh, hell yes. Poverty-ass franchises. <laughs> Checking in. Uh, Lucas will be next with the Diamondbacks. Then I'm going to be Kansas City. Ken is going to be the Rockies. And then we're going to loop back again. Um, Thomas, you will be the Angels. And then from there, the Mets are going to pick, and we will all make our own selections and explain who and why and everything else. Um, like any other mock draft, this is kind of 
more a, a thought experiment than anything else. Obviously, Especially with baseball. Yeah, I mean, we have no skin in the game, so we're just looking at things like who we think are the best players, and then we're just picking them. When, in reality, it's not really that cut and dry, though it should be. Uh, you know, in reality, there are, are outside forces that influence things like, you know, the GM or scouting director might feel pressure from from his owner to, like, pick a player that's going to move through the system fast and make an immediate impact. So that might go with, you know, a, a player that fits that kind of criteria. Um, some players might be more willing to sign with certain teams over other teams. So they might play hardball and ask for more or or maybe offer discounts to other teams, you know, ask for less, depending on what they want. So there are things that influence the baseball draft other than just, hey, best player, pick them, the end. Yeah. But all that stuff is stuff that we're not going to factor in. So we don't need to worry about that. All that is in play for us is just best players that we think are left on the board. All right, so Thomas, you are now Ben Charrington, and the floor is yours. Uh, just that's the worst thing anyone has ever said to me. Congrats! <laughs> hey, you he, won a, he won a World Series, yeah, right? World Series with the Red Sox. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. Anyway, so what I, what they should do, and what it seems—well, not what they should do. What I would do, and what it seems that they're going to do are two different things. I would probably just take lighter here, but it doesn't seem like they're taking lighter. It seems like they're taking Marcelo Mayer right now, um, Meyer. But anyway, that seems to be the consensus guy as of most mocks coming out right now, and the logic is pretty sound with it, where it sounds like he's not going to be super hard to sign, and he's a shortstop, and that's like one of the premier positions in the league. Like guys just kind of flock to shortstops and stuff like that. So I, I that's what I'm going to do in the, it, starting this off with the, with the sake of. Um, realism and what probably will happen in the soon to happen draft. So that's that's where I'm going with Marcelo Mayer with the first pick in the draft or Meyer, however he pronounces it, I'm not sure. Who's a he's a high school shortstop out of California. Alright. There we go. You heard it here folks. Marcelo Mayer, first round draft pick, first overall. They 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 should take lighter, but <laughs> Alright, Lucas Texas Rangers are, uh, the, this one is just too easy given both the Rangers MO and also the hometownness. They're running the draft pick up there for, uh, Jordan Lawler. Lawler's another prep shortstop. He's from Dallas Jesuit High School. Uh, has a big frame. I don't think he is gonna stick it short, but maybe he might. Um, he also seems to be more hit over power, which doesn't thrill me either. But again, trying to do this for the sake of realism, uh, I think those two, even though early in the draft process or maybe a couple months ago, it looked like we might have Rocker Lighter at the top of the draft. It seems now we're looking at Lawler Mayer in some order. Um, so Texas here is going to be real happy to get their hometown prep shortstop because it just fits so much about what they like to do. That makes sense. I can see that very much happening. I, I weirdly, I don't much like either of these prep shortstops as in terms of how pre, like, which is to say, I agree with Thomas that I'd easily take lighter over both of them. But it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't really understand the. I, I guess 
taking a pitcher first overall is a little scary, but because of pitcher volatility, volatility but I mean, I think Lider just looks so good, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, both of them are big framed guys, hit over power. I don't know how much power projection you're project you're putting on either of them, and if both of them look like they need to move off short, it's some. I, I I don't love it. I don't love it. It's not like a Bobby Witt Jr. situation where I'm like, oh fuck yeah, give me Bobby yeah, Witt. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> All right, so now I am on the board with the Detroit Tigers, and I am going to go Kumar Rocker. Ooh, huh. So, is this what you would do, or what you think is going to happen? Uh, I think what I think is going to happen. I think that they've had some success with Casey Mize. Um, obviously, Manning is about to graduate, or or if he has, has he already? He's about. To. I mean, he's. Pre- I think he, him, and Scooble and yeah, Mize are like up there. in the rotation now. So. so basically, I see them. You know, they've they've hit pretty well with some uh, high-profile arms. Um, but really, you know, who's, they have Joey Wentz and basically everybody else, you know, in their top 10 is just a hitter. So I feel like they want some pitching. They could use some pitching. Casey Mize is going to, I think, move faster than Jack Leiter, possibly. He's more, a little more polished. The upside maybe isn't as high, but I don't know. I just feel like he's a good fit for them. Interesting. That's an interesting one. I mean, I think this would have been a more uh, mainstream pick, I don't know, a couple months back. Before the season. Yeah, before the season. But Rocker's velocity going up and down every start has to give you at least a little pause, right? Uh, I mean, I've seen him get close to the Mets in some mocks. Which would be a fun thing, but I've I've not heard anything about any kind of injury or or fatigue or weakness or anything like that. Any kind of kind of any kind of velocity decrease that could be tied to injury would uh, yes, that would worry me. The just normal rigors, not so much. I mean, it's. I could see Rocker being a guy who winds up like somehow winds up as an overdraft, or we all just overthought this and he comes out as a steal. So, Steve betting on the latter here, clearly. All right, uh, Ken, you are next, and you are picking for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, if we're sticking with realism, um, I think it also jives with who I think the best player is in the draft at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to end the dream and choose Jack Leiter. Oh. Well, that's who I was going to take with the Orioles if you didn't. Right-handed yeah. pitcher from Vanderbilt. Um, I saw him as an amateur. He's only gotten better and better as time has gone. Um, had a just ridiculous season. Uh, his only full season at Vanderbilt, very strong program. Uh, I think this is the absolute floor for him, as uh, I think Jeff and Jared said on their their podcast uh, earlier. So, and like, wasn't there a report that he wants to play for them or something? Yeah, yeah. It's very odd that the son of Al Leiter wants to go play for the Red Sox. You know, 
<lacht> dann, dann, dann. <lacht> ja. Alright, um, we will circle back now over to Thomas and you are picking with Poverty Franchise number two, Baltimore Orioles. What are you going with? I mean, I could go a multiple a multitude of directions. I could cut a deal for a college hitter, which I, I would not do here, but the Orioles might. I don't know how they're going to like, I, I don't know how far their poverty stretches, but I could see them doing that. But I would not do that here. I would simply take Brady House, who is still on the board, and um, he hit. <laughs> like, we heard it all year with Lucas updating us about him. He just, he raked. So when someone like that falls to you in the middle of the first round, in the, in the middle of the top five, I mean, then, I mean, in the middle of the top ten, I should say, because that's where we're stopping. I feel like that's a no-brainer pick here, just because... They need all the bats they could get, and that'll be a nice future piece if he could stick it short, and it's just a bat that you could build around with Rushman and everything else that they have. I think that all makes sense. Yep. The yeah. dream has ended again. Oh. <laughs> I mean, the Mets should simply just trade up, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Change the rules. All right, Lucas, you go next, and you are picking for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'm going to take the guy who's probably the consensus best college hitter on the board, that being Damn Henry. You, Lucas. Aha, aha, aha. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take Henry Davis. He's a, I'm doing air quotes, catcher out of Louisville. Um, I think I, mean, I say that, but there's a not a. It's not a Zach Collins situation, but he he's not a good defensive catcher, I don't think, by any stretch. He also has a bit of a weird stri- swing, but the dude just raked for a, a quality program against quality college opposition. Um, I don't even think this is an unrealistic landing spot for him because I could see the Orioles saying, uh, we got Rutschman already who looks like a potentially historically great defender and probably a very good hitter as well. Are we really going to draft a dude who might just turn into a right-right first baseman, if not based on his defensive limitations, based on our uh, system? Uh, whereas the Diamondbacks just kind of need talent generally, especially mm-hmm. with the year they're having. Um, I know, I know, I think it was Jeff, and I've seen also J.J. Cooper, I believe, also talk a little bit about the weirdness in Davis's swing, um, but. You know, he walked more than he struck out, hit for enough power to be impressive, batted almost 400. Like, it works, and sometimes weird shit just works. I mean, I don't think I would shy away from taking a catcher even if I have a Rushman type because, like, there's a DH in the American League, there's first base. Like, I think that I think that's fair. It, it's also, more for me like the talent. Like if you think yeah. he's that good of a hitter, defense be that you can figure it out. Especially, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like because you're not relying on him to be a bad catcher, you could move him around. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Like it's 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 a it's a choice. You have to make that decision. You have it's, to. It's weird, and like I would usually say in almost any other scenario, like ignore your needs. Like it's not basketball, it's not football. You don't draft for need in baseball. It's literally not any other sport, <laughs> right? Right. But I think catcher is the one. 
somehow is the one position where I might kind of think about it. And also I like Rutschman so much that I'm almost certain he's going to be like a long-term star at the position. And that just fundamentally makes Davis less valuable, right? If the bat isn't quite like you have to head, even if you think something is true, you have to hedge that you're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a yeah. little bit wrong on the bat and he's not a catcher, then what do you got? Yeah, I got you. And, and like, I also think with catcher, it's, there's only two of them and only one plays at once and the backup is like, yeah. how often is Adley Rushman's backup gonna play? Like if he is what everyone thinks he is. So like, if someone's a shortstop and you have Francisco Lindor in the Mets situation, you move him to second and it's fine. You know, or you move him to third and it's fine. But most of the time catchers could only catch or play first base. The Wilson Contreras catcher outfielder thing is rare or Eric Hayes is doing it now. Austin Barnes, catcher, second baseman. Exactly. Like, that stuff doesn't really exist because dudes are catchers because, like, where else is (laughs) Alvarez going to play talking about the Mets? Like, Mm. he's a shorter, stockier guy. He's going to play. He's not a typical first baseman's body. He's pretty much a catcher, you know? Like, maybe you could teach him play third and have a new Pablo Sandoval, which would be fun. But I was just trying to imagine him at third base. Like, Yeah, like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's a catcher, and that's his position. And for better or worse, for the most part, like, for the most part, catchers are what they are, and they can't really move anywhere else. So I think that's why catcher's a little bit different, too, to aid to your point, Lucas. Mm-hmm. All right, next up are the Kansas City Royals, and I will be picking for them. And it's now it's starting to get to kind of... It's difficult here, but I'm going to go with Khalil Watson. Oh, that's a fun one. High schooler from uh, North Carolina. I almost picked him to be my second person that I had to track this year. Like, it was between him and Painter. And I guess I chose wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Khalil Watson, he is, uh, he's an exciting player. He's basically average or better across the board. Um, you play shortstop, so, you know, you like to see that. The only thing that's kind of concerning is the fact that he's five foot nine, which in everyday terms is nothing wrong with that. I wish I was five foot nine. I'm not. <laughs> As a baseball player, five foot nine is a little, a little short, a little concerning. He's only 18, so obviously there's still, you know, he, he could continue growing for another two, three, four years, whatever. He comes back to the camp, he's 6'3". Yeah, no, so it's like, you know, okay, that, that'd be cool. So, but really that's the only thing that gives me pause. Um, you know, the, the, uh, Kansas City system, they have a bunch of high up and uh, upside pitchers, so, you know, it's not like they really want someone on the pitching side of things. And Watson, you know, like I said, is just good tools pretty much every all over the place. And, you know, he's athletic enough that, you know, say you don't want him to be a shortstop, you want him to play center, you could do that right now. And and there would be no issues. He could probably play anywhere. Yeah, like, so he's very much, you know, uh, multiple clay at this point. He's a fun one. He's a dude that I would be all over if the Mets drafted. Like, he'd be one of my guys immediately. Mm. All right, Ken, you are next, and you're picking for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I'm going to select um, Colton Kowser, an outfielder from Sam Houston State University. Um, 
Yeah, I just think he's the best player still available. I think there's a good chance Colorado does, tries to cut, you know, a money saving deal. To that makes a lot of sense. Players. Um, and he's coming off of a pretty excellent year. He hit 374, 490, 680 in 253 plate appearances with 16 home runs. Um, that'll, that'll play. He's yeah. <laughs> also, you know, pretty good defender. Do you um, think he's six and center? I think he's got a pretty good shot. He Even in fours, it's well. enormous center? Or do you think that doesn't really matter? I, I don't think it affects much. Like, I think he's a has a, a good chance to be at least scratch. And Yeah, that's fine. Know. I mean, and if he hits the way he could. Yeah, so I, I think this is an upside play and um, potentially with some cost savings that can be spread around later. And also they need, like... They might be the most poverty-ass franchise that we've talked about so far, and somehow they're picking eighth. But it's like... Selecting Colton Kowser to trade him before, you know, free agency someday. Who will they be attracting, uh, attaching 50 million to give Mm. to trade Colton Kowser for in six years? He he could also be someone who's in the major soon, which is, would be good for them. All I know is that I quite like Colton Kowser, and in that super deep fantasy league I'm in with Jarrett and other people, if he was on the Rockies, I'd move so much to get him. Just for the bat and course? Yeah, yeah. just for the bat and course, that'd be so much fun. All right, we will loop back now to Thomas, and you're picking as Los Angeles Angels. Ooh, okay. So let me... Vamp for a bit while I look at the Google Doc to make sure I don't pick someone that's already been picked. Mostly because I don't want to look stupid on the podcast. But I had another lightning strike hit the river outside my window. Yeah, I've been um, I've been look seeing them outside my window. Um, even over where I am, it's like that. It's it's been it's been rough too. So that's been a fun time. Mm-hmm. But um, it was I, I, I was out a little bit ago and it was. It was pouring. Um, <laughs> when people listen to this podcast, it's going to be like a nice, clear, sunny day. Yeah, right. It, 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 it's it's like literal like hail and parts of like Jersey and stuff. But um, so I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to follow Fangraphs mock here because I was looking at a few just to get prepared to see like what other people, what people who are more in tune to this than we are are thinking. Um, just because like they're the people at Fangraphs are more connected than us, obviously. But um, I'm going to take Jackson Job here, and I actually like their their reasoning, where it's th- like the Angels need arms. <laughs> um, the Angels need arms around Trout, and uh, and like I hate picking for need, but also at some point they need to develop pitchers because that's why they don't win games. Like their best pitcher is their DH and granted it's Shohei Otani and he's maybe the most talented, the pure most talented player in baseball. Yeah. The, the baseball God. Yeah. Like, because like he hits like Mike Trout and also pitches like a mid rotation starter and Mike Trout can't do that. Um, so they just need more arms and he's someone who like, I don't know. I like him more than like Madden, like Ty Madden and stuff like, like I would rather go for a little more upside here picking nine and I think he has more upside 
than um, those guys, um, than pretty much the other pitchers who are behind him and who will be taken maybe with the Mets, as we're about to get into, because they've been linked to Madden, but also maybe past the Mets. But So I feel like that's a good start for them to try to revamp their pitching in their minor league system. So that's what I'm going with here. Job is like the... Because I don't think Leiter, Rocker, House, even Watson are slipping down to the Mets. Job is the one dude I think who yep. still might have a tiny chance to. And you've crushed I mean, this my was just dreams. one pick before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you need any of these nine teams that are picking before the Mets, you need someone to do something cute and pick someone, you know, way above where they should be picked. Pull a pull, pick a, pull a maniac and really go under slot and try to be fun. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. All right. So with that now, we are picking number 10 with the Mets. Um, I guess we'll just do it in order again. Thomas, I'll put you on the spot again. No. So (laughs) now you're picking for the Mets. So this spot is tough because I wanted Rocker to fall so I could run to the podium for him for the Mets here. I don't even know if the Mets would do that, which would really piss me off if that's the case in a few days. Oh, God. Like, if they pass on him. Uh, I don't want it to be McLean, because I feel like that's boring. Can we all agree we don't want McLean? Uh, I think one of us has been warming up to him. I don't remember. I, I think he'd be fine. Yeah, like, like, like that's the thing. Like, I don't think um, it'll be a bad pick. He's, he's going to play in the big leagues. It's just, uh, I get strong Gavin Cicchini vibes. Yeah, no him. kidding. But it's if, college if, Gavin Cicchini. If Gavin Cicchini went to college, who knows what would have happened. So. Yeah, but that's a better bet than high school Gavin well, Cicchini. So. I'll, I'll take this opportunity to say that Matt McLean is my pick. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm interested to hear why, because I would take, if this is the case, and hearing, not like reading who the Mets have been or, like linked to and stuff like that, I'd take Montgomery, uh, Colson Montgomery, the high school shortstop from Indiana. And it's a reach, but I feel like if this is how the board falls, they're going to underslot to try to steal someone else later. Um, just because there's no one here at the way this mock fell that I'm rushing to the podium for, you know? Like... Right. Unless you just want to get super safe and take Madden, who's probably like a David Peterson type thing where he'll pitch in the big leagues, but it'll be a back of the rotation type guy. That's not the worst thing in the world, but also that's not the most exciting thing in the world. So maybe you 
go under slot and see what you could get later in high school talent wise. But that's what I would do with the way this board fell, just because like reading the names behind like Sal Freelick, uh, okay, like just Madden's okay, like all the other names are just okay for me. Basically, yeah, it's you have the the only guys that are truly still on this tier, this you know seven to twelve level, whatever, are Madden. Frelick and McLean. Anyone else, I would start to say, like, well, maybe they're a little bit of a reach. There's nobody really that I feel is interesting enough to say, like, okay, I'm going to pick someone, you know, and, and cut a deal and go... Basically what I did. <laughs> exactly. And of the guys, you know, Madden, Frelick, and McLean, I feel like McLean just has the best bat out of all of them. Um, you know, McLean and Frelick are very similar in that they're, you know, good hit tool. Frelick, guys. Frelick is fancy Jake Magnum, Mangum. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like if that's your bag. And he'll that'll play in the majors. It's Absolutely, just, yep. And I, I feel also, like, the hit tool, they both have good hit tools. And I feel like that's something that's going to be, that is, it might be a little underrated now, but might be... More useful, you know, two or three years from now when baseball, the, the shape of the, the landscape of baseball is different with, you know, the way the pitchers are, have been pitching and now that they're cracking down on spin rate and everything, you know, you can't go wrong with a above average hit tool. Well, we'll see. That's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, it's just a little uninspired for me, but right. when I mean, I'm looking at these names, yeah. like, they all are, exactly. you know? Yeah, the way this fell, this is like a clear tier, uh, the end of a clear tier. Mm-hmm. It's literally like those first nine players, and then where the Mets pick at 10. And if one of the nine fall, then I'm happy, no matter which one it is, really. I think there's a pretty good chance that happens. But I'm a little worried that I could, like... Because I don't know what Sandy 2.0 is going to do. Like, I don't know how he if he's just going to be the same Sandy that he was draft-wise, which produced some nice first-round players, but didn't do anything else. So, like, I it's it'll be curious to see because he's back and it's a different, it's a little bit of a different group. Well, not the scouting group. The scouting group's the exact same, but more analytics stuff and all that. So, we'll see how the Mets view this too because this is going to be. For like the third time and for, for for the second time in like four years, we get to see how the Mets are, you know, because we don't, it's new. All right. So Thomas, you said that you liked Montgomery. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pick him? With yes. That pick? I'm picking him there and uh, seeing what comes in the later rounds. Uh, Lucas, who are you picking? Oh, I didn't realize this one was going to be as unpopular. I'm going to go with Sal Freilich. Um It's not that it's unpopular because he's going to be a major league player. Yeah, it's, it's just it's uninspired. I I, I don't know. I, I first of all, I mean, I, I don't think comparing him to Jake Mangum is particularly accurate. Um, Mangum hung around. Uh, first of all, like Megan wasn't as un- inexperienced when he came into uh, uh, college. 
Um, and also never posted. Okay, that's not true. He had got his OPS above uh, 900, uh, uh, both as a, a freshman briefly and then uh, as a junior. Whereas really got it was up above uh, a thousand this year out of 1002 OPS, right? And I think there's just more upside inherent with Freelich. Um, dude is a late to baseball, multi-sport Northeast outfielder who's also dabbled at second base. He missed time in 2019 with a leg injury. Um, the athleticism is real. Uh, the bat to ball is impressive, especially when you consider the lack of experience. And, uh, I, I think perhaps not the Mets as much outside of Pete Alonso, but, but, Baseball teams as a whole have found a way to to help guys find more power in uh, major league development systems as opposed to as high schoolers or college players. Uh, to be clear, I don't think Freelick's ever going to be like a slugger or anything. The dude's 5'9", probably weighs 180 pounds soaking wet. But if you can play an above-average center field, have really excellent bat-to-ball without a hyper-aggressive, I-swing-it-fucking-everything approach – <laughs> you don't need to hit a, a ton of homers to be productive. Um, I also don't think it's unreasonable that they could even save a little bit uh, of money by taking Freelick here, right? I don't, I don't think they're going to have. No, to. I think that's what would happen if they yeah. do. Um, Which isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, like, I mean, I think they'd also save money on Montgomery. I don't think because because he's projected more at the back of the first round if they don't take him here, right? So they probably save a little bit there. Uh, Montgomery, I would also bet as being the, the likely pit given, given what we've heard. Um, but to me, I, I mean, I love these. We, we've talked, we, this topic comes up all the time. We love speed, even though if it's, even if it's not statistically, uh, optimal anymore. And Felix seems like a fun guy to, to have out in center if this profile actually works. He's definitely a dude who would grow on me. Like I wouldn't really, like, love it at first and then like i'll watch him play and be like okay cool you know because like i could project that type of speed contact plays everywhere type guy onto the mets and that's a fun that's a fun little thing unfortunately as much as i'm arguing against that that mangum comparison it probably does have a little bit at least a little bit of weight and if i mean i'm talking about real fancy like i'm not Uh, talking about like i'm talking about like two two steps above you know like if he was really good (laughs) You know, yeah. Because I think he's better than than he ever was. Mm-hmm. Freelick is like way better than Meng, but still, yeah, I know what you mean. All right, Ken, you're the last one here. Who is your pick here? Uh, I'm going to go with. I guess I'll just go with Ty Madden. I think he's pretty likely um, to be a guy that they choose. Um, right-handed pitcher from Texas. Uh, not sure it's a very inspired pick, um, but you know the Mets have historically leaned towards college performers, especially during the um, Alderson era. So it's it's David I think it's likely if he's available and it goes like this. Yeah, no, I think he's a little better than Peterson. It's like it's like. Maybe like higher ceiling, David Peterson, where yeah, like I'm pretty maybe sure upside of like a like a high four. Yeah, you know? I'm pretty sure he's gonna make the majors, no matter what team he plays for. It's just like I was sure Peterson was, but he is what he is, and that's not the worst thing because as you've seen this year, 
<laughs> you need arms, and the Mets don't really have any at all. Like, he would be, like, their third best pitching prospect. Immediately. Yeah. And pretty close enough to the majors where he wouldn't take forever, I don't think, barring injuries. All right, so there you have it. We basically, each one of us, we picked every single guy, more or less, that is projected to go when the Mets pick at 10. Yeah, it's just like this draft, I feel like the first nine are kind of locks, and it's just what order, you know? Like, I don't really think there's, like, some years there's like, oh, there's 15 really good players and some, to, there's 12. I feel like there's a clear top 10 and, or top nine and these are the nine and it's just what order they go in and then the Mets pick from whoever else. Which is unfortunate because they just missed that cutoff, but also it is what it is. Alright, so, uh, the first part of the draft is officially in the books now, and we certainly have come a long way since the Judd Fabian, Brady House, Adrian Kell, Castillo, and and Jaden Hill days, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's always going to happen. Yeah, it just shows goes to show that was that was like the end of February, late February. Couple of months can totally change everything when it comes to the draft. So now we're going to get a little bit more in-depth. Um, we're going to take a couple of shots in the dark here, and we're going to make the Mets' second and third round picks. There are other selections that are in the first uh, overall 100. Um, the first, Their second round pick is going to be 46th overall, and then their third round pick is 81st overall. And obviously a lot of players are going to be selected between the Mets' first pick at 10 and then their second pick at 46. So we're just going to hand wave all that away. <laughs> um, but, you know, because of that and the fact that every individual and, and every team draft ranking looks a little bit different, there's going to be a lot of variance in terms oh, of yeah. yeah guys that we think will be available at 46 and at 81 and then who actually – you know, will be available at uh, 46 and 81. It, like, like if any of us said Matthew Allen would be available in the second oh. round or whatever it was, we would have gotten kicked off the podcast. Like, mm-hmm. it's just sometimes stuff happens. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we don't have we don't have a budget to we don't we don't have the budget to assemble uh, an amateur scouting department with cross checkers and you know stuff like that to make our own individual independent draft board. Maybe we should talk to Chris about that. But oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's in the budget. Yeah, but um, in lieu of that, we're just going to rely basically on the prospect rankings compiled by, mainly by MLB.com, Baseball America, and Fangraphs. So, Ken, would you like to go first? Who do you think the Mets are going to, or not? Who do you think? Who would you like to see the Mets pick at 46 and then uh, at 81? Um, I'm going to go with a friend of the podcast, Adrian Tell Castillo. At Damn, 46. I was looking at that. If he's, yeah. if he's still available, that's that's definitely where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, I don't know what happened this year, but I, I you know, still believe in the offense, and I, I think he's really good value this, this deep into a draft. I'd love that, honestly. Me too. 
I think we I think we tend to over we as the the as an industry, not that we're particularly part of the industry anyway, uh, uh, tend to overvalue the draft year performance, especially once we have when we have a lot of previous data, right? And we have a lot of good previous data on Del Castillo, and maybe he just had an off year. Like it happens. So uh, I I think that's a steal in the second. Yep. Especially like it it it's been a oh, like a really weird year. Yeah, absolutely. Year year and a half, you know. So I mean, you, you never know when a guy's playing through something nagging, and there's plenty of stuff that teams don't report or that players won't complain about, and they'll grind it out. Oh, my wrist is hurt for the last eighty games. Well, no shit, your batting line sucks. Your wrist hurts. <laughs> it's been broken since February. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and then at 81, uh, this might be a bit of a reach, but I'm going to go with Alex Benellis, uh, a third baseman and first baseman corner infielder from uh, Louisville. Um, at this point, everybody knows I, I have a type. Um, it's college uh, offensive players with some upside. Uh, yeah, I just think he, I think he's going to hit. And uh, I don't hate I think it. it'd be I like pretty it, good actually. value, yeah. So, I mean, MLB has him in the 60s, if I recall correctly, don't they? I mean, he could be off the yes. board even before this. There's a good chance, but I don't know. Hey, at 81, anything is possible. Yeah, Matt Allen might be still laying around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, Lucas. Who would you like to see at 46 and then at 81? So I'm actually going to juggle the rankings here a little bit. Uh, on the Fangraph side, Frank Monsicato is at 28 and Chase Petty is at 49. On the Baseball America side, Monsicato is at, it's not loading now, 42. And Petty is up at 29, right? So they're kind of flip-flopped. Um, and in both cases, the Worst one is into that Met range. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple other prep pitcher names you could substitute here, but I'd be very interested in doing something similar to what they did with Allen or uh, uh, to a lesser degree uh, the next year. Um, but to try to sneak that prep guy, float him to the second with any savings you get, whether it's – I mean, basically with all four of the nine names we mentioned, I think there's probably some savings of 10. Uh, if you can snag whoever the best prep arm on the board is at that spot, whether it's Mozzicato or Petty, um, who are really different prospects, right? They might both be prep guys, but they have very different profiles. Um, but I'd be very interested in snagging either one of them at that spot. Uh, no, of course, they might both be off the board because teams in the back half of the first love to reach on prep guys because they know they won't be there when they come back up. So... Uh, that could happen too, in which case I'm shit out of luck. <laughs> um, let's see. And then I had a couple names jotted down for 81. If my notes would load. Very good content here as I wait for Google Drive to open up. All right, here it is. Uh, so this one is partially biased because I watched a couple North Carolina games this year with my girlfriend who is a UNC graduate. Um, but, and also because of the name is great, but I'm going to go with Austin Love from North Carolina. He's a right-hand pitcher. Um, 
to me, I get very samey vibes with him and some of the college pitchers that are projected in the first. And he's definitely the discount version of them. But I don't <laughs> see like the the high upside college pitcher in the back half of the first round. It's more the dependable uh, guy who's going to give you David Peterson vibes. And I get that maybe tuned down just a little from uh, uh, Love. He was a former relief ace, uh, which is true of a lot of these guys. Came into the rotation and, and played quite well this season. Um, uh, I, quite They were actually career best now looking, which I didn't notice earlier. Had a 15 strikeout gain against Georgia Tech, which is a legit program. Um, and the Mets need pitching depth. Yep. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with taking a, a swing on a guy here. Uh, uh, who maybe, again, doesn't have huge upside, but uh, gives you that hopefully dependable, optionable back of the rotation arm in a couple years. And also the dude's name is, I, I, I think love is a very, uh, it's good for uh, uh, farm reports and recaps. <laughs> yes. It will make life easy. Looking at a player that's projected on the MLB list to go a couple of picks before love. Uh, Jordan McCants, and that would be an amazing name for some headlines. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You almost want him to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> which isn't the greatest thing to. You want him to have like a three-error game and write the farm report, Jordan McCants. There you go. <laughs> it just writes itself. All right, uh, Thomas, who would you like to pick at 46 and then at 81? So I have two fun ones. At 46 and 81, um, the first one is my old friend Jaden Hill. Mm-hmm. So the Mets could JT Ginn it again and just let him rehab a year. Oh, yes. um, JT Ginn to electric boogaloo. Literally, like copy and paste the formula. Because if he had a normal healthy season, he would be well gone by now. Because he's shown that before. He's had he's the one guy that would be left on the board that at the Mets tier. Uh, yeah, right? He would be. He would be just, like, right at that little, at that turn, I think. And I think just even with the inherent risks of how he's been hurt, like, twice now with his elbow, and it's not great, but the upside outside of a Frank Mazzucato, which would rock, I would love that if they could pull that off, but I, it seems like he's going to go to UConn, right? But, like, I think just the... I like the risk-taking of a Ginn and a Hill in this in scenario because... These guys in the second round are so, like, baseball's so different than football, where the, and basketball, well, not basketball, second round picks are, like, useless. But, like, it's, it's so, like, the upside here is so massive, I think. And even there's a middling upside of him being a reliever, that would be a really good one. So I think you could kind of take that risk and see how it plays out. But also, that's a lot of risk in this draft with a not so exciting first round pick and then him. But still, I'd rather do that and swing for the fences because the team is good and they should be able to spend a lot of money to paper over the minor league system for a little bit. And at 80, what what is it, 80 what? 81. At 81, I'm taking, I would take a fun, this caught my eye because of his positional versatility, Um, Davis Diaz, who has been a, he's been a Team USA guy, which is something I think the Mets looked at with, Pete Crow Armstrong and really um, prioritized. They seem to like that experience that he had, even though he's a high school kid. He's a Northern California kid, and 
he was a shortstop and he caught this year. So to draft a Isaiah Kiner Falefa guy exactly. uh, vibes there. Like, he's he's one of the he, he's the type of guy that is kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none right now type guy. But in the third round, a jack of all trades, master of none type guy who could play shortstop and catch is like it's not exciting really, but it's that type of organizational depth that's unique and different, and you could really develop that into like a really good utility player. And how many times in the third round you get like a, a random utility player and you're like, oh, that's not too bad. You know, like the like the the war value of where you're picking is like not super high in the in the 81st pick in the draft. So, I mean, to take a nice uh, like he's not super fast, but he's not slow. Like to have that as like a backup catcher infielder type guy would be super fun. And maybe he pops. Maybe one of his tools maybe becomes a master of one of his tools and he's off to the races with whatever position he picks. But it's just a fun little player. It's a different type of player too, which I really like. Listen, here are the Mets third round picks the last couple of years. Alright, it's not very pretty. <laughs> um last year we had Anthony Walters. Oh yeah. Matt Allen, of course, you know, that that's a That's a different story. But that's yeah, that's you can't really and I'll even give Anthony Walters credit. You can't really, you know, because they were doing the same thing, and obviously last year was also pandemic shortened. So we'll go now to 2018. Carlos Cortez, our friend. Ah, friend of the 20, 2017. Quinn Brody. No. 20, I liked Brody so much. 2016. Blake Tiberi. Recently released, I believe. Yes. Um. 2015. Max Wattel. Like, at least they swung for the high upside. 2014, Milton Ramos. You know, same thing. 2013, Yvonne Wilson. Nice. Jeez. And they also had a second one, um, Casey Meisner. So, well, he was kind of like, people like I liked him. Meisner. Yeah. But, you know, it, the Mets have not got much out of the third round. So, if you're going to pick a, uh, you know, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type dude... It's not like you're really going to be missing out on much with the way that the Mets have picked if he doesn't work out. All right, um, my two picks now to wrap things up. At 46, I'm interested in Gage Jump, who is a left-handed pitcher <laughs> from San Juan Capistrano, California. And That's I guess- not a real name. It is. Holy hell, it is a real name. <laughs> Dude's last name is Jump. I I just, uh, he's got to play basketball instead of this. Well, the my name is, is Jump. He's, he's <laughs> unfortunately named because the, he's 5'10". Oh, no, the dude's 5'10 and named Jump. That's the best part. <laughs> not, not ideal for pitchers. But, you know, Marcus Stroman is, you know, Jordano Ventura, R.I.P., Tim Lincecum, Pedro, obviously, you know, they're all on the same level. Always good, always good to comp undrafted players in the second round to... Inner circle <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can comp their size. Uh-huh. But, you know, even though he's he's small, he has a, a good fastball from the left side, you know, 91 to 94... It's been hitting 95, 96 this spring, and batters have a tough time seeing it because there's a little deception in his in his, in his windup, 
and also it probably has a high spin rate. So those are, you know, velocity and spin. We like to see that. He has a, a pretty good curveball. It's probably average above average right now. He has, you know, a, a changeup that flashes average. And then a slider that's not really that great. Probably will have to either scrap it completely or maybe try to throw it with more velocity to turn it into more of a cutter. But he has a pretty big arsenal, which is good. Um, commitments UCLA, sometimes that's a little tough to buy out. But, you know, depending on if the Mets pick one of those kind of unexciting guys in the first rounds, they might be able to get them, you know, at slot or under slot and have some additional cash to throw around. And then, of course, as an added bonus, his name is Jump. <laughs> so when he's warming up, they're, they're going to obviously play Van Halen. So... I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, I think this is there, there's this good anecdote that always comes up on the PFF NFL podcast about a discussion around Russell Wilson in the draft room, where they said if this dude was two inches taller, why wouldn't he be a first round pick? And no one had an answer to that. And I do think we often overthink measurables a little bit. So if the dude's performing, who gives a shit if he's five ten? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, with pitchers, you know, you can walk around. And now at 81, I'm going to go with a guy that the Mets have shown prior interest in. Um, maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but that's okay. And I'm picking Denzel Clark, a center fielder from Cal State Northridge. And he was an intriguing guy when the Mets selected him uh, in 2018. He was a 36th round pick. He ended up not signing and going to Cal State. I was a little disappointed because I like the profile. Um, his mom, she's a, a former Olympic runner. His uncle was a running back for the Toronto Argonauts, who are a team in the Canadian Football League. And it's Canada in football, so I'm not sure if it's like soccer or if it's football. But <laughs> It's like football with 12 people and you can get running starts. It's, it's, it's fun. And three downs. Yeah, it's fun. So he has that. And then... I'm not sure who they're, who, how exactly they're related, but he has two cousins, Josh Naylor and Bo Naylor. So, oh. you know, he's, he, that's the kind of mold that we're working with here when he was drafted. Very athletic, very speedy, uh, above average defender, very, you know, raw, but, you know, a lot that you could dream on. And obviously with Josh and Bo, you know, those are guys that have progressed solidly as baseball players. So you could see Denzel Clark doing the same. Um, he hit uh, a total 377, 394, 500 in three years at Cal State Northridge. His first season was kind of eh. He played a lot, but, you know, the average, everything wasn't really that great. He revamped his swing that summer, and then in 2020, he hit, you know, 400 before NCAA shut everything down. And then this past season, he hit 324, 445, 570. Um, and then in addition to that, he was the Big West Defensive Player of the Year. So, uh, you know, the bat obviously took some steps forward, and the defense is there. Um, he's still pretty raw, I think, as a hitter, which is maybe not optimal for a college junior. But he's been very vocal, you know, about understanding his strengths and weaknesses and fixing the stuff that he needs to fix. So credit to that. And I think coachability is... It, it de- it's hard to quantify, so it gets overlooked, but there's definitely something to a guy that's coachable. Look at Pete Alonso. 
when he was drafted, he was like a flawed hitter, but he was very coachable. He listened to his coaches, and look what happens, you know? Um, I don't think that Clark has that type of bat, but, you know, he can improve. Uh, he does have, um, you know, solid average to above average raw power. The hit, you know, is fringe right now, so he doesn't really, um, he's not really able to get to bring it into games, but he's been working on getting his hit tool to, you know, basically uh, to get better. His, his The thing that he's been really working on is just staying balanced at the plate and then, you know, being able to make quality contact. So he has an idea of what he needs to change, which I like. Um, and also, you know, he has a total of 70 whole games under his belt for his entire college uh, experience. So, you know, a lot of guys at bigger schools can get, like, 70 games in a season. So he's still pretty raw and and moldable and, and workable there. And then regarding his defense, you know, I, I've seen a lot that uh, uh, scouts are kind of split as to whether or not he'd be able to stay in center. But honestly, I think it's like a, a slam dunk that he would be an average or better center fielder. Yes, he's he's big. He's, like, 6'5", 220. But he's super athletic, he's lean, he carries all the muscle and weight well. Like we were saying before, he comes from a very athletic bloodline. You know, maybe at age like 30 or 35 or whatever, like he's going to not be able to play center field. But that's not something we, we really need to concern ourselves with in the here and now. He's, you know, uh, an, an average to above average, maybe even plus runner. He has good instincts, he reads the ball off the bat well, so... I think that that guy's a no doubt center fielder. And the, the Mets also like to double dip like that. Yes. Guys again. And it makes my life a lot easier on draft nights when <laughs> one of my favorite things is when I heard them call Carlos Cortez and Jake Mangum twice. I was like, yes. <laughs> I can relax for like 20 minutes. So overall, I think we are in consensus that the first round, the Mets are just out of that tier that makes you excited, but they get first dibs at the guys that are, you know, the best guys that are left. But it's going to be an interesting nice. draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I could very much see one of those guys falling, and then it's a totally different ballgame at that point. Yeah, I mean... All it takes is for one. Yep, they are basically one guy out of that top tier. So all you need is one team trying to be cute and do something and make a reach, and then that player, everything just shifts down. Or the Mets will be the ones that are going to be doing something cute. <laughs> we you never know, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that was our draft special. So if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at elvlahos343. Ken is at kenlavin91. And Thomas is at sadmetseasonszn. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you got your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be all over the airwaves next week with the draft. We're going to be dropping some nightly draft specials, reviews, recaps, everything. So I hope you're not sick of us because we're going to be all over the place. So until then, love the Mets. 
Love the Mets. <laughs>